Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us here on Bikes and Big Ideas on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm David Golay, the bike editor at Blister, and you can check out everything we're doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. So Betty Burrell, a.k.a. North Shore Betty, has been getting after it on a mountain bike for nearly 30 years now. And at 73, she is still very much doing that on some super gnarly trails that a lot of people much younger wouldn't touch. And so along with our very own Kara Williard, I sat down to talk to Betty about how she has just kept at it and stayed motivated and done such an amazing job of doing what she loves well, not sweating too much the expectations that a lot of people might have for a woman her age and how she's getting about on a bike and so it's a super cool conversation and along the way betty shares some really good insights on staying motivated and just making peace with the increasing limitations that one's body has as they age and just continuing to enjoy the things that you love even if you're not doing them at quite the same level that you once were and also want to say that this episode is brought to you by over the edge our blister recommended family of shops in fruta colorado hurricane utah melrose australia and Toro santos mexico over the edge has been supplying mountain bikes gear and expertise for decades now and the fruta and hurricane shops in particular have a super well-appointed demo fleet with a ton of great bikes from brands like rocky mountain ibis revel pivot and a whole bunch more and so next time you're in one of those areas swing by say hi get some trail beta go for a ride with the folks there get the rental that you need or you can visit them at otesports.com which we have a link to in the show notes here and with that Let's get right to my conversation with Betty Burrell. Well, Betty, thanks for joining us. How are you today and where are you today? Hi, I'm great, thanks. I'm at a friend's house in Squamish uh, because I do live in Lions Bay, but our internet reception is very poor there. So here I am. Well, I appreciate you making the trek over to do the recording and I'm also joined on this one by Kara Williard, who's going to be co-hosting with me. So, hey, Kara, how are you doing? Hey, David. Hey, Betty. It's awesome to be co-hosting Bikes and Big Ideas. This is my first official entrance to the Bike and Big Ideas podcast, and I couldn't be more excited to be having this conversation with Betty. Um, I've been really looking forward to this one. She's a big inspiration of mine, so I'm excited to be here. Yeah. Well, great to have you both. Betty, to just kick it off, I guess, love to hear kind of your story about your introduction to mountain biking and when and where you got your your first time on a mountain bike there. Oh, um, I guess I got my first mountain bike, uh, which was a hardtail, no suspension at all, for Christmas present in 1987, uh, just before my son Hayden was born. Um, but I actually never rode it because I was really into uh, road biking. And, uh, so I just kind of used the, that mountain bike when we would go car camping or backcountry, um, adventuring, um, you know, an off-road, uh, camping and, um, took, uh, took the bike with me, just rode it around the campsite. And then when Hayden was about three, four, uh, somewhere around about 1993, he wanted, uh, to get a dog. So we got a dog and I found I just couldn't exercise the dog and myself on my road bike. So then I decided to buy a real mountain bike. So I went out and bought a 
a bike with a little bit of suspension. And that was about 1993. And, and I just fell in love with the sport. And um, that was it. I was off and running. <laughs> I love that just getting your dog exercise was the genesis for it. But well, it was really my son. He, you know, he wanted the dog. Right. And, and then yes, I had to, I had to exercise the dog. <laughs> You're right. Okay. So, but at this point, I think it's probably worth noting that you were a high level athlete in a bunch of other facets. You'd been professional windsurfer and been a mountaineer. And so it's not like you were new to quote unquote extreme sports, I guess, but the, I mean, this is both fairly early in just mountain biking being a sport altogether. And how was that transition and kind of what was it like diving into it? What, was your, what were your first experiences mountain biking for real? Yeah, well, I literally dove into it because um, I, a friend of mine who had been mountain biking for a, year, for a few years, he you know, was always raving about, oh, I cleaned this trail, I cleaned that trail. And I went, Okay, whatever. That doesn't mean anything to me. But then he took me out on these trails and he took me out on my first trail was a black diamond trail. And my second trail was a black diamond trail. So I literally got thrown into the sport. I was covered in bruises. That's funny. I always say when I was learning to mountain bike is the most injured and beat up I've ever been. So I can definitely relate relate to that. You just kind of throw yourself out there. So, And there was no um, padding then. We didn't wear armor. We didn't wear knee pads, uh, shoulder pads. And there was the suspension, the brakes. The equipment was like so, you know... Uh, rustic in comparison to today. So yeah, you got thrown around a lot. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. It's a whole other level. And so I mean, it's pretty interesting to hear about those early days of mountain biking. And specifically, I'd love to hear more about what the scene was like um, at the North Shore at the at that time. Um, since it's become something that was, you know, it's quite mainstream. There's a pretty big scene around mount- mountain biking these days. Um, but at that time, it was a pretty core group of dedicated mountain bikers, you know, building the trails, kind of developing things as you tried them. So I'd be really interested to hear a little bit more about that scene and if there was other women around. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's changed a lot since those days. Uh, I used to be a flight attendant at the time. And so I worked mostly weekends because I was a single mom. And so I biked during the week. And of course, at that time, you know, most people work Monday to Friday. So I ended up riding a lot by myself during the week. And um so I would, I could ride, you know, week after week and never see anyone on the trails going up or down during the week. And um, of course, now it's so different. You can, if you go, you know, on a weekend, if, unless you're there at eight o'clock, you're not going to get a parking spot um, at the, some of the more popular spots. But um, there was kind of, there was a small core group, but of course I didn't see them that often because they were, you know, mostly like 20 years younger than me and still working. And of course I was working too, but um, uh, there was, you know, most of the really um, good women in those days were racers or professionals. There weren't very many just recreational riders like myself. Um, so um, I, and I, yeah, I, I had a couple of buddies that I rode with that had, you know, flexible schedules, but uh, you know, I ended up riding by myself a lot. 
yeah, I mean, makes sense that especially kind of riding midday weekdays, you were flying solo for a whole lot of that. But how kind of big do you think that the core mountain bike scene around the shore was at that point? I mean, how many was it really just a thing where like it wasn't such a surprise that you were by yourself because there were 50 people riding those trails in total? Or how did that feel at that point in time? And then when did it feel like things really started to explode up there? It's true that there was a very small group of people. I actually couldn't say how many. Uh, there were, were there was a few other areas that were quite popular in those early days, like Kamloops. Um, so there was a core group up there. Um, and uh, Pemberton and Whistler were sort of starting in those early days. Uh, I honestly couldn't say how many pe- people were out there riding. It was a pretty small group of people. Um, and of course, once the equipment started to get better and the trails started to get better, then the sport really started to grow. And, and I would say that was probably, you know, maybe mid to late 90s, it really started to grow. Um, you know, the advent of uh, of uh, brakes, they, you know, we had the cantilever brakes and that, you know, once they, the brakes stepped up to the brakes, like that was amazing. You, you had control. You weren't like freewheeling down the mountain anymore, you know, hanging on for dear life. You could actually you know, plan your, your route down the trail a bit. Yeah. It's been quite a progression of equipment getting better. And it is funny to look back because I, I started mountain biking kind of right at the very tail end of cantilevers being a thing. And it's funny (laughs) to think that V brakes, which are absolutely terrible by modern standards were this big step forward, but they absolutely were at that point. Oh, they were. They so were. I look at trails now that we used to ride on cantilever brakes, and I'm going, I can't believe we used to ride down that. The cantilever was like death defying. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely that obvious correlation between equipment getting better and more people getting involved with this sport. I mean, at the time that you picked up mountain biking, how did people respond to you getting into mountain biking at that stage in your life? And I mean, mountain biking was kind of a less established common thing at that point. I loved that quote from the movie um, about your ex having you and your ex having different values in regard to lifestyle and that you just seeing life as one big playground. And I just really resonated with that. And um, so I'm just curious to hear kind of how people responded to you making this leap into mountain biking. You know, um, I mean, I never gave it a second thought. It just kind of, it was just like, well, of course, let's try this. So it's, you know, it worked so well with my lifestyle. And, um, you know, once I started, I just like fell in love with the sport so much. And, uh, you know, it was just so exciting. And, um, and it, and, you know, with a dog, it, it just, you know, worked so well. Like I say, I never really gave it much thought as to my age. Um, I, I don't, I never really, and I don't think too many other people did. The people that I rode with at that time, there was uh, three people that were about my age. And then the rest of the people that we rode with, um, you know, starting in, starting in the late nineties were, you know, 30 and 40 years old. So, you know, like about 20 years by that time, 20 years younger than me. And, um, uh, you know, I don't think, you know, age wasn't, 
in our group, that's one thing about mountain biking. I found you weren't judged. You just, you were just part of this group and, you know, we were all just, you know, doing our thing. And, uh, I, sometimes, you know, if I was out, for instance, riding by myself and I may come across a group of people that were straddling the trail and that I could, it could just be my assumption, but, you know, they wouldn't get out of the way. So I, I would think, well, you know, is it my age? Is it my sex? You know, why aren't you moving? And, you know, I would just go, excuse me, you know, and I would just, you know, carry on and go through, um, and, but honestly, I have to say about mount, the mountain biking world has been so welcoming and basically very not chauvinistic, not sexist. You know, and I grew up in the 50s and 60s when it was so chauvinistic and sexist. And um, it really has been such a, a wonderful community. And, uh, you know, even when I go shopping, sometimes I will get, well, is that for you or for one of your kids, you know, but, um, you know, mostly I just, it's, uh, just, uh, quite, uh, you know, neutral. Yeah. I think there's a lot to be said there and I can definitely relate to that point just from my own kind of bike community over the last few years, like feeling like I've rode with such a diverse group of people at such a variety of ages and that we're all just out there having fun. And so there might be those moments where I'm like, you know, thinking that, you know, I'm experiencing sexism on the trail or something like that. But as a general whole, I've just been impressed by the inclusivity and just kind of feeling like you can be ageless out there when you're riding with your bike community. So I think that's really special. And so definitely. definitely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very, very um, welcoming, the whole community. So you have a son, Hayden, um, and then you mentioned in the video that you separated from your husband when Hayden was young. Um, so how did you balance this, you know, big sacrifice of motherhood um, that everyone puts a lot of pressure on around that kind of sacrifice while also having a need for personal passion and having your own autonomy as an individual and as someone who has all these passions? How did you balance those two things? Well, I think I was very lucky. For me, being a flight attendant was the perfect job, you know, being a single mom. Um, because uh, Hayden would go with his dad uh, basically three weekends of the month. And so I would work those three weekends. I do very high hour trips from Friday to Sunday and get all my hours for the weekend. And I'd only have to do that, like I say, three times a month. So I was there all week. For Hayden, and then I'd, we'd have one weekend together, so um, it, it just worked out perfectly. And and I had very supportive neighbors, and I had my parents, and uh, and you had to keep changing it up as Hayden grew older, as situations changed. But you know, I always, you know, I had people that would look after the dog when I went to work, and I'd look after their dog when I was home, and just traded, and it it just always worked as long as I could just keep changing it up because you just, you had to change it up. Yeah, definitely. And again, just kind of bringing in the community to help where you can. Um, I think the kind of overused phrase is it takes a village, but I think there's a lot to be <laughs> said there. 
But then my other questions would be, I mean, how, like, do you have any advice for mothers who are adventurous and want to kind of bring their kids into these sports or any things that you did to kind of keep it fun and keep Hayden um, out there with you and inspired or just any advice for kind of bringing the kids along with you as they start to grow and show interest in these passions as well? Well, you, I, obviously, as I said, you have to, you know, change the routine as you go along. So when Hayden was about six months old, I started out with car camping, going doing back country camping um, with my, my parents and Hayden and I. And so that was how we first started going into adventures. And then, um, but of course, I, I mean, I had to cut back on my own activity. I, I mean, I always laugh, you know, when people found out that I was pregnant, and they knew how important fitness was to me. And they said, oh, well, how are you going to keep fit? And I just said, oh, no problem. I'll just get on my trainer and, um, you know, I'll do a workout on my trainer. Well, <laughs> you know, I think they forgot, oh, yeah, wait and see, Betty. Well, they were right, wait and see, because, uh, you know, I would get on the trainer and, you know, in about five minutes, Hayden would be crying and I need to get up and feed him. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, the first the first year is pretty intense. Um, and I was on, I took maternity leave for a year. So that really helped to get the first year going. And then, like I say, we started with the car camping and then we did that for a number of years in the summertime. And he started skiing when he was really young. And, uh, and we started hiking when he was really young. And of course he had a bike from day, you know, almost from when he, from, you know, when he was really young. So, uh, he just, uh, yeah, I think you just have to introduce your kids and just see what they like. I, I really don't believe in forcing anything on a child, but you just have to introduce them and then pique their interest and, and see how, how they go with it. And, uh, Hayden sort of chose his sports over the years and I just supported him. I love the bit in the video where he was talking about coming to the point where he was considering starting up some school team sports and decided to pass on that and just keep mountain biking with you, which I thought was amazing. You're in your line too, about having, uh, I think it was quote an all time sports buddy to just go do stuff with. And I think you're totally right about just introducing kids to a whole range of stuff and letting them kind of find their own path through it. Uh, and the, the bit with Hayden and sports really resonated with me as someone who, just started off playing team sports, mostly hockey, because that was kind of just what was sort of shown to me as an option. And mountain biking came a little later because I just didn't even know it was a thing that one could do up until suddenly, suddenly someone gave me a bike and I was hooked pretty much immediately. But I, yeah, I like that approach a lot of just showing your kids what's out there and say, you know, see what clicks for you. Don't, don't force anything. Yeah, it's up to them to decide, really. I, I I wasn't going to be one of these hockey parents that force their kid to get up at five o'clock in the morning and and go play hockey. I, I mean, if Hayden wanted to do that, I would have, but I I wasn't going to force anything because it's his life, you know, we're talking about not my life. So, But then I guess I'd be curious to what your thoughts are on kind of how much just that approach and that sort of relationship that the two of you had with mountain biking kind of helped shape his 
life and career path and as the video mentions kind of working as a ski guide and all the rest was that sort of something that just felt like a natural continuation of what the two of you had been doing together since pretty much day one um well as it turns out yes um you know Hayden went to university and got his degree in environmental sciences or environmental studies. And uh, when he graduated, he he decided that he did not want his life to be his success in life, rather, to be determined by uh, a paycheck. And he was he knew he didn't want to sit at a desk and work nine to five, which is, you know, is why I became a flight attendant, because when I graduated from university, I I didn't know what I wanted to do. And, you know, I was quite young. I thought maybe I'd continue and go on and become a teacher. But I was I was 20 when I graduated from university. I just thought there's no way I can teach kids, you know. Um, so uh, my landlord and his wife, they were in the airline industry. He was a pilot. And he said, why do you join the airlines? So I joined the airlines. So I, I find it quite interesting that Hayden actually, I never... You know, I never forced him to any kind of thought process, but that's what he he decided that he didn't want to work Monday to Friday, nine to five either. He just he just chose lifestyle over paycheck. Yeah, it's a good way to be. Me too, frankly. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's good. Uh, no, it's a good life. And I totally understand that and understand that pathway. Um, and the only other thing I'd mention is just how cool it is that, you know, up that kind of sacrifice you make early on in motherhood um, of, you know, maybe having to jump off the bike sooner than you wanted or, um, you know, cut the workout because there's a child that you uh, is depending on you. I think it's really cool to see like when that kind of turns and eventually it pays off so that you finally have that best friend that you get to ride with and that you kind of uh, get to see that transition, you know, of all the sacrifice and maybe the times where you had to, you know, get him ready out on the ski slopes or whatever it was. Um, but then it finally kind of can transfer into that, just having a great outdoors companion. And so it's really cool um, to see that. I mean, even in my own life with my parents, but then even to see that um, in the video is just kind of how that transformed. And I think that's really special. So um, I was glad to see that. <laughs> it, it worked out really well, you know, how things went. I mean, it was very difficult at first being a single mom, but uh, like I say, with this community support, my family support and um, yeah, it worked out well. I'm, I'm no regrets in that regard. <laughs> Another thing that I think you spoke really well about that I'd like to hear more on was just accepting one's limitations with age and kind of making peace with the way that you're riding, maybe changing a little bit but still just enjoying being out there and, you know, taking it as it comes, I guess. And so the line that I loved from that specifically was just older people just need to know that you can keep going, you know, and I think that's a great thought. And a lot of people, I think, get to this point where they can't quite do things exactly the way that they once did and aren't so flexible about just allowing their you know, if it's riding or skiing or whatever it is that they are into doing to evolve and continue to feel fulfilled by it, even if kind of the types of objectives they're going for or the pace at which they're riding or whatever it might be, isn't quite a hundred percent to where it once was. And I guess just you seemed to 
take that really naturally and just continue to love being out there and well i mean i guess am i right even in thinking that it looks like it came kind of naturally to you and what advice would you have for other people to kind of keep making that transition and allowing things to evolve well it it wasn't as easy as it looked. I mean, it was a process and it was a, it was actually a difficult process because there's, there's ego involved. You know, you're riding with a group and you are at a certain level in that group. And all of a sudden, and they're 25 years younger than you or 20 years younger than all of a sudden, you know, it just, it kind of just happens. You come upon some feature that you've always ridden and I, you know, <laughs> Oh, I can't do that. I just can't do that. And it's frustrating because you love that feature and you love, you know, it's, you know, you get a charge out of it and then you've got to go around. So it was a process. Um, and I was so glad when, you know, I knew I wasn't going to give up biking, but I thought I've got to deal with this. Whatever's going on in my head, I have to deal with this um, because I want to keep biking. And, you know, once I, once I realized, hey, it's okay to go around because you know what? I'm slower. I'm going lower. You know, it still feels great to me. You know, going around is, you know, still lots of fun. And, and, and as I said, you know, when you, as you get older, of course, it's, it's relative, like a, a, uh, it still feels like you're going fast, you know, just because, you know, I think your brain slows down. So it seems like, and, and, you know, it just, it's just feels so fun still. So, um, yeah, you have to go through that process. And as far as, you know, what I would say to other people is like, really, I mean it, don't quit, don't stop. I was just talking to a friend this morning who, uh, is my age. He's 73. And he's still mountaineering at a high level. He never stopped. He started when he was 16 and he has never stopped. And he's has climbed a thousand peaks and he's got many first ascents and, and he's still planning these big ex expeditions. Um, so, so we were talking about, you know, some people that have been in our group over the years and, and how, they go, oh, you know, I think I'm getting too old to be doing that. And um, so we just say to them, look, you're not too old. Maybe you're not going out as much, but go buy yourself a new pair of skis. Keep current. You don't have to buy new skis every year, but keep current, you know, because the new equipment is amazing. It does it for you almost. And so, um, yeah, you, you just just don't stop. Yeah, keep going. Yeah, that's great. I mean, I think one of my favorite quotes from your movie was, it doesn't matter what age or level you are at, you still feel fast and that it is just about that sense of freedom. And I really appreciated that. And I think the biggest step in any of that is the ego and trying to like really reckon with one's ego. And I think David and I both have experienced this through injury. And so our kind of next segue would be talking more about um, the mental game and overcoming uh, injury. And so I'm curious, David, if you want to launch into that one a bit more. Yeah, sure. I mean, I've been kind of going through my own version of what we're talking about, not so much from age-related, but I had a really catastrophic knee injury a little over three years ago skiing and have just been going through this this process with it where um, physically I'm back and feeling good, but just mentally I'm had to kind of come to grips with not really 
wanting to be doing some of the things that I was doing on skis and a bike anymore, just because I don't want to go through that recovery process of being not totally non weight bearing on my leg for seven months and on, you know, this whole you know lost year basically of having to rehab things and kind of, I'm still riding and skiing pretty hard in a lot of ways, but there was a while of having to just accept that not hitting some of the bigger errors and stuff that I was doing once upon a time ago is okay and making peace with that. And so I think what you said is totally on the money, just that being happy to be out there and just keep doing it, even if it's not quite what it once was, is really right on. But I mean, you in the North Shore Betty video rattled off a pretty impressive list of injuries of your own that you've sustained over the years. And I'd be curious for your thoughts on just how your relationship with taking risks on a bike or on a windsurfer, you know, whatever it is that you're doing has changed over the years and kind of how you come to grips with what you see as being an acceptable level of risk changing is you age and as you gain more responsibilities in life and have a son to take care of and all that kind of stuff. Well, it's, yes, I've had a lot of injuries and, um, I've, I've actually psychologically been able to come back from most of them quite well. There was one injury that I had, which like took me out for about a year. And that was in that, that was when I, broke and dislocated this shoulder. And um, that was one of my earlier injuries. And that was very hard to come back from that because the recovery was so painful because I ended up with a frozen shoulder. So that's so painful. And then you're on your bike and you've got this pointy thing and, you know, the ground's way down there and you think, oh, I'm going to fall on my shoulder. So that was a very difficult injury to come back from. And and I know what you're talking about, um, the process was pretty slow, but um, I did come back and I continued to injure myself. And, um, and I, but I realized that, uh, you know, you can come back. And, um, and I did come back to, to, a, to a, a level I was really confident and happy about. I haven't been injured for quite a few years, but I really think that's because the bikes are so much better. The trails are so much better. I'm riding slower and lower. I don't think people injure themselves nearly as much because everything is so much better now that, you know, the equipment and the trails, the trails are so much safer now than they used to be. They just were so unpredictable before. So um, you're lucky that you're young because you've got lots of time to recover and, and you'll just get to a level where you're, you're happy with and that's all that counts to be at a level that you're you're happy with you don't have to compare yourself to anybody else it's just how you feel you know absolutely yeah that's how it's been for me too and i I am at a much better place with it now it took a little bit but just yeah being happy with where you are is good when you're doing an athletic endeavor um you know if and you injure yourself it's, it's, it's a, like someone once told me, it's like, it's a bit of a death. I mean, you have to grieve that loss of your athleticism for that period of time. So uh, it's, it's, it's a difficult process, but you know, you always come out on the other side and you have to know that you will come out on the other side and, and just 
proceed forward with optimism. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. Um, I completely agree. And I think you're right in that there is a grieving process and then there's just like the coming to peace um, with where you're at. And I think the biggest thing for me was like, I had to stop comparing my pre-injury self to post-injury self and just kind of like do away with some of those things that you come up with in your head, you know? And so I think that's, it's good to just push, push past some of those mental factors. And I think it's impressive to hear you just talk about all those journeys, but then know that you are still out there. And I think that's amazing. And in the video, you talked about wanting to keep riding into your nineties and something that you touched on a little bit. I think people just feel like they need permission to do something. And as we've been going through here, you've done a really amazing job of just ignoring that impulse that I think is in all of us to some degree or another. And, you know, blazing your own trail on a whole bunch of different fronts. In the video, you mentioned being the first woman riding waves on a windsurfer and everything you've done on a bike and all the rest. How much do you think it helps just to have someone out there doing the things that you want to do who looks a bit like you and is someone you can kind of view as a little bit of a template for how you want to be taking things on in the world? And Or is it just... I mean, probably also the case that people ought to be a little less hung up on those things sometimes, but it's that's certainly easier said than done. Mm-hmm. Um, do you mean in the aspect of like having role models? Yeah. That, yeah. I, I, it's so important to have role models. Um, I, you know, a lot of my role models were guys um, like in the windsurfing. When I first started windsurfing in the waves, there was a few women that were windsurfing in, in waves, but as soon as we started going in bigger waves, then I, I was the only woman sailing in bigger waves for, for a, a while. And so um, I was, I was, you know, the guys were my role models, like, um, because they were, they'd been doing it a bit longer than I had. So, um, but, but also I was, I challenged myself too. Um, you know, I, I just, I actually learned a lot of stuff on my own in windsurfing and, um, and then in mountain biking, um, it was, again, I, I, you know, for a few years I was in our little group, I was the only woman, you know, then a a younger gal joined our group. Role models are important and, you know, they're for support and to guide you. But if you don't have a role model for some reason, whatever, I mean, you know, just give yourself permission to go and try it and go for it. And um, don't hold back. Don't be afraid. Uh, Just, you know, test the waters. Yeah. And I think now we are lucky that, um, you know, in the female space and biking, and then just even everywhere beyond that, um, I think there is a lot broader representation than there ever has been. So, I mean, speaking to role models and to mentorship, just knowing that there is a lot more people in that space that are, you know, showing up, representing, and just kind of paving the way for what is possible. Um, I think that's really awesome. And so it's, you know, it's cool that you kind of pioneered it on your own and that you blazed this trail and that in all your effort and you've been able to inspire a lot of people and, you know, show what, show what's possible. And so it's really cool to see that kind of build on itself. Yeah. It's amazing now, isn't it? I mean, I just love watching, you know, though there's so many women doing the sport now at such a high level, it's just 
and same in windsurfing and in, in all aspects of sport. It's just, it's fantastic really how it's gone. And as far as inspiring, it's very interesting for me is that this film that Patagonia made, um, I've read some of the comments and, and it just, everyone's so inspired and it doesn't matter whether it's a, a teenage boy or a 65 year old woman. It just seems to, and that is just so amazing to me. That inspires me that all these people have been inspired, which is so fantastic. And it just makes me, you know, want to want makes me want to keep going. You know, I was going to anyway, but I even want to go more. <laughs> it's a self-perpetuating cycle that you've created. So thanks, Betty. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's a great way to put it. And just seeing you out there is good reminder to people that just keep after it. And I would be curious for some of your thoughts on kind of how the mountain bike world has changed on the front of having better representation for more folks from various forms of diverse backgrounds, whatever those might be. You know, as a 30 something white guy, I've never exactly been short on mountain bikers out there who look like me, but that's not true for a lot of people. And how much do you think that has changed and what would you like to see us to continue to improve on on that front um i just would like to see everybody no matter what they're into you know it doesn't even matter if it's a sport but just to, to keep doing what you're doing just keep your passion don't you know carry it through your whole life i mean you, you know you can maybe change up your passion but i think it's so important to have a passion i just you know to it makes you engaged with life. And, and that's, what's so important. Just like, just because you're getting old, you, you, you don't set, need to say, well, you know, I'm, I'm not going to do that anymore. And like I was saying before, you know, go out and buy yourself a new pair of skis and get hooked again. And um, yeah, I just think that uh, just keep doing it. Just um uh, and, and, you know, I, I it, like I said, it doesn't matter whether it's sports or otherwise. Like, I'm very guilty of, of not keeping current when it comes to technology, computers, and that sort of thing. And I've been vowing for the last 10 years to take some lessons. Well, I'm going to take a private lesson this year because this, this whole, um, you know, Patagonia film thing. I, I've had to do Zoom meetings and this sort of thing, and I, I'm hopeless. So um, I haven't kept current. So I feel like I'm going to get left behind if I don't, you know, get current. And that's the same if in sports, in, in activities. You know, if you if you don't keep current and you want to ski on your 1970 skis, well, you're not going to have fun. I mean, it just doesn't yet. It just not, everything is so much more fun now because the equipment is, you're not battling with it. You're not struggling and fighting it. I mean, when I first started windsurfing, the sails and the boards were so difficult to sail and the same with the bikes. And I mean, look at the skis now, they're amazing. And, um, yeah, all the equipment's better. So I'm just say, say, you know, treat yourself, keep current, um, buy yourself new skis, new backpack, new bike. <laughs> you don't have to buy it every year, but, you know, I think it's important to keep current as we get older. Yeah, that certainly helps. And 
in the video too, you said you expect there to be more people in their 60s and 70s riding difficult trails and certainly just better technology, better gear doesn't hurt there. And I think I can particularly imagine the advent of e-mountain bikes really helping a lot of people on that front too, just get out to places that they haven't necessarily felt up to in, in recent years. And have you experimented with one at all? You weren't riding one in the video, but curious. No, uh, actually, I, I did try a friend's uh, last week at just just on, on the access climb trail and pretty amazing. You know, um, I can see myself probably getting one soon because, you, you know, I ride with quite a few younger people and their cardio is getting better. Reminds like, you know, it's not quite what it used to be, obviously. So, um but I, you know, I can still get to the bottom just as fast. I just can't get up the top quite as fast. So I think, I think e-bikes are, are fantastic because it's a, a lot of my friends who never were mountain bikers now have an e-mountain bike and they're having so much fun. No, I mean, I think it's interesting. Um, e-bikes definitely open up some accessibility for people. And I just think that's great, especially if it just means like going out somewhere further that maybe fell off to you personally a couple years ago. So it's just, it's good to be open to that. And I think it's uh, just cor- corresponds greatly with what you were saying as far as more and more people being out there for longer and any way we can facilitate that and keep people passionate. I think it's awesome. So mountain biking is in a kind of a little bit different category. Uh, it's sort of like, I would say, like along the level of mountaineering. I mean, there are certain risks that are, you know, difficult so uh, I mean you can keep like climbing rock climbing I think you can keep doing that at a very high level Uh, I know lots of people that are doing it at a high level in their 80s whereas like mountain biking um, has that impact (laughs) and you know it's you know you can hurt yourself on a pretty easy trail but um I think if you just keep riding, if you start when you're young, you just keep riding, you have its experience, you can read a trail. And um, so obviously, you're not going to be, you know, doing extreme trails into your 80s and 90s, but you're still going to be riding and you're still going to be having fun. And you're still going to feel that wonderful sense of freedom that you have when you're feeling like you're going 100 miles an hour down a trail through the forest. And yeah. So actually on that note, I would be curious for you to talk a little bit more just about kind of the extent to which you feel like your background as a windsurfer and a mountaineer and all the other things that you were doing set you up to just have an easier time, I guess, learning to mountain bike. You know, you took it up comparatively late in life relative to a lot of other folks. And does it feel, I mean, certainly just being a high level athlete puts you a leg up to begin with, but did kind of anything from what you had been doing previously really feel like it gave you, uh, put you in a better stead, I guess, to pick up mountain biking and just do it well. Um, well, I, I, it's all about attitude, you know, um, you just have, if you have that attitude that, that if you want something, you know, you have to want it. And, you know, windsurfing, I wanted it. I wanted to go out there in those ways. I, and, and mountaineering, I wanted that, that, you know, 
sensation of getting to the top of the mountain. And it wasn't necessarily getting to the top of the mountain, but it was the process. I mean, you have to want something. And so like, it's just all about your attitude, your attitude. I, I, I suppose I can't say that any one sport set me up. I think it just comes from who you are from, from your attitude. And um, because when I was a kid, when I grew up and I grew up in a, you know, outside a small town and um, we had a small high school. And I mean, I did sports day and I played badminton and volleyball and, in at school but I didn't really do any sports I I was more I played we went adventuring we built forts we went down to the ocean and up the mountains and up creeks and so when I went to university I discovered all these people that did a lot of sports and so I was hooked right from then I wanted to play tennis I wanted to go you know I did hike a lot as a kid but I wanted to go backpacking and then I met somebody that was into mountaineering. So that was it. I wanted to do that. So um, I, I guess uh, it has to do with your upbringing. My dad was, was he grew up on a ranch. My mom grew up on a farm on the prairies and they were out there with people. They were people of the land. So um, I think my dad's instilled a sense of adventure in me. My mom was a very independent person. And so it's the it's the attitude you get growing up, and uh, however you apply that in your life. And you know, it's, I never thought of myself as an athlete. You know, I just was doing a sport. And then um, a few years ago, someone referred to me as an athlete. Uh, uh, they referred to me as one of the best athletes that they knew, but they meant on a recreational level. You know, because I. I never have considered myself really like, a, I mean, I did, I was a professional windsurfer, but I, I just never considered myself as an athlete. And then I kind of like a few years ago, she said that and I said, yeah, I guess I am an athlete, you know? Yeah. You, you certainly qualify. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I like that answer just because I think it's a lot of people really center like a lot of the technical skills that it takes. And I mean, all of that's obviously important and it comes with time and experience. But the foremost important thing being attitude and kind of the mentality that you bring out there, even as you're learning something new. Um, So I think that's a really powerful answer. And while the technical skills are important, sometimes it's just about the attitude that you're bringing. One thing nice about getting old is that you know, you, 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 as you get older, you discover more peace in your life and you're more confident. And, and I think I'm, I'm much more, I, I, I think I'm just as good a technical writer, if not better than I was 20 years ago. Um, because I'm, 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 I'm much more centered as a person. Um, but that just comes with age, right? You just, uh, you grow up. <laughs> um, but when I was, when I was started mountain biking in my, my late forties, I, um, I think I, I, you know, I had that attitude. I want it and everything, but I also used to get mad at myself. You know, I wanted it so badly. And I, 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 if I couldn't do something, I can't say that, that I, you know, I'm, I don't know that I got mad at myself. It's just that I was, I'm just so much more relaxed riding now. 
maybe, you know, we were going a lot faster then and we were going, you know, riding all this extreme stuff. So, you know, I just, I love my miking then and I just still love it. It's, you know. Yeah. Just keeping the passion burning, keeping it fun is the way to, way to keep doing something for so long. Yeah. I, I do. I feel so lucky that I, I still can mountain bike, it's that I still want to mountain bike. And I still, I backpack and I ski still and I ski tour. So it's just getting out there. I mean, which is one good thing about COVID is I've just, there's so many more people out there and um, which is great to see. Absolutely. Well, Betty, this has been great. Been just delightful chatting with you and been a really fun episode. But before we let you go, we do like to ask our guests if they have a final big idea to share with us. So do you have anything? Granted, this has been a, a whole bunch of pretty big ideas from you already, but one more. I, I have a lot, lot of ideas, but um, there's one thing that I, I was talking to a friend about the other day, and um, it is in this vein of, you know, getting older. And um, I've noticed that the media and in particular, our our local uh, big newspaper here, um, had, there was an article of a couple who met some a bad fate, and it referred to them as elderly. And as I'm reading on, I see, well, they're 77 and 76. And I'm going, why are they being referred to as elderly in the 21st century? And... Um, and so the next day I was in the drugstore and I was in a lineup with a bunch of people and the lady in front of me was older than me. I was pretty sure she was older than me. So I said, do you mind if I ask how old you are? And she said, well, I'm 76. And I said, and do you like to be referred to as elderly? And she said, absolutely not. And the lady behind me said, either do I. So I, I guess my point is that, you know, people in their their 60s and 70s do not feel elderly. I mean, you can feel elderly in your 50s if you have, you know, the misfortune to have some illness. But my gosh, I do not feel elderly. And please don't refer to me as elderly. We're older, but we're not elderly. So I think the media needs to, to you know, address that. That's a great note. And yeah. Certainly can understand where you're coming from on that one. So. Well, Betty, this has been amazing. Really appreciate you taking the time to chat with us. It's been a ton of fun. Thank you so much for your time. And thank you for being interested in this. Yeah, thanks so much, Betty. I mean, there's so many learnings to take away from. And I think you all just, you help transcend, uh, you know, what limits are, maybe perceptions of age. Um, you can challenge people to try something new, even if they're 50 or whatever age it may be. And so I think all of that is uh, pretty awesome. And so glad we could share this conversation with you. Oh, well, thank you very much. And um, again, I would just like to say thank you to everybody, the media, to all the people that have watched the, the film. Um, I just thank you for inspiring me. It's like, I'm so happy to see you know, all ages to be inspired. It's just so it's it. Thank you for the gift. <laughs> what it is. Well, right back at you on that. It's been been great and really appreciate it. Talk soon. Yeah. Bye for now. 
That's it for this edition of Bikes and Big Ideas. And I just want to say thanks to Betty and Kara for the conversation. Thanks to Taylor Ahern for producing this episode. And thanks to you for listening. From all of us at Blister, please take good care of yourself and everybody else. And we'll talk to you again real soon. Bye, everybody.